Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. If you're not in the swimming world, you may not find the name Erica Sullivan to be familiar, but you will. Erica is a leading candidate to qualify for the Olympic Games for Team USA in distance swimming. She recently made some news because she decommitted from going to the University of Southern California and competing for the Trojans. And in that post that she posted on Instagram, letting the world know this, she talked about what initially drew her to USC, as well as some of the struggles that she had been through. Uh, She was gracious enough to join me this week and talk about some really deep stuff, the loss of her father and mental health issues she's been going through over the last four years, coming out. And I had a, I had so many different topics I wanted to touch upon with her, but we just really spent a half hour just talking about the last four years of her life. And I think you'll get a lot out of it and, and, and get to know Erica, who, fingers crossed, and if all goes well, next June will qualify for the 2020 Summer Olympic Games. Uh, next year, yes, they are still called the 2020 Summer Olympic Games. Anyhow, here is my interview with swimmer Erica Sullivan. Okay, I'm here with Erica Sullivan. Uh, Erica, you recently decommitted from USC, a college you, you, you committed to four years ago when you were 16. But one of the interesting things in your post talking about that, that I found was how you talked about committing to USC originally, in part because you felt that it would provide an opportunity where you could be yourself there. What, what, what was it about USC and the recruiting process that made you feel that that was a place where you could be yourself? Well, I mean, I think I took the path that a lot of like closeted kids go where when you want to go be yourself at a university, you look up like most accepting colleges in the U.S., like a basic Google search. And um, USC was one of the top schools that provided like a really good program for coming out athletes and stuff like that. And that's what really drew me to the school. And the opportunity to be in Southern California just really gave me a good signal that like, regardless of what happens with my sport or what happens with my career, I could be myself and there was going to be people at my, at that school who would support me. So, so it was really about you doing some digging on your own and, and trying to find what schools had resources there for, for LGBTQ people and LGBTQ athletes. Do you remember anything in particular that stood out to you about USC? Like, what what did you find in that digging, if, if you can remember, I know it was four years ago, that, that told you that? Uh, more about the coming out part or just the school in general? That, just, that, that, that the school itself was, was going to be a place where you could be yourself. Oh, well, so I've always been kind of like a film nerd and I've always been like getting poked fun of about that from my friends or from people who know me. They're like, oh, Eric is the film buff. So when I took my recruiting trip there and they took me through the Steven Spielberg uh, school film and I was looking at all the posters of like all the producers that work there, I, I pretty much knew that I was going to be okay. And and was there like, uh, for the, the coming out part, was there like a, was it the LGBTQ center? Or was there a, like a specific program, anything that your 
your your um, the coaches recruiting said to you that made you think, okay, I'm I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to be able to be out here as well. Um, nothing really particular, but this is just a little like dumb thing where you know, in a 16 year old's mind, you're like, this is it, this is accepting. Is that you're going through the gift shop. And there was a rainbow USB hat. And like the minute I saw that, I was like, that's it. They're accepting of everyone, which is so silly looking back on it. But when I was 16, it really was dignified in my mind. Well, no, I, I don't think it's, 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 it's not silly. It's not nothing. It's you know, people ask me, um, coaches and people in athletic departments ask me how they can be, uh, show that they're accepting. And I said, just put a rainbow sticker on your door that speaks volumes to people when they recruits, when they come through. I think just showing like a small signal that like you are accepting really just puts one foot, you know, in the doorway to start that conversation. And that is huge. And even though it was a hat in a gift shop for me, it really showed me that, you know, this was a place where I could be myself. Was there anything that your coaches, uh, the coaches recruiting you said, um, uh, about, you know, w w did they ever say we're accepting of everyone or accepting of gay athletes? Was there any signal from the, the recruiting process specifically that, that, that told you that as well? Um, so when I had to go to admissions and let them know that everything I'd been through over the years and I was brought up that, like, I did have to come out to my family. Um, one of the coaches who I was on the phone with, Catherine, who, I'm, who I have a very close relationship with, um, she just said, you know, when you come here, like, we're going to love you no matter what. We're going to accept you. And I think that was a giant umbrella term for not just my sexuality, but for my mental illness and for everything. So, um, yeah, no, it really meant a lot coming from her. And she's, we ended up, you know, going on multiple trips together. And she's a great coach, and I love her to death. How open were you in that recruiting process about your mental health? Um, not very much, actually. Um, I think they knew that I started therapy, but, and they were all, they knew what happened with my dad and stuff like that, but they weren't really, I don't think they understood the severity of it until after when I, when it started getting better again. But, um, they, once they did find out, they were very supportive. And I'm sure if I told them partway through, they would have still been supportive. You're, you, you hinted at, um, at your father and, and your coming out journey and, and you, as a, you as a person and as an adult, your journey weaves through some heavy things. Um, to the extent that you can, as I know it was a, a, a painful time, can you bring us into your life during that year when, when life was turning upside down and, and kind of help us you know, paint a picture and, and bring us into your personal journey at that time? Yeah. So pretty much it was my going into my senior year of high school, end of my junior year. And we were going on a swim meet in California and I was starting to take all my uh, unofficial trips to the colleges. So I had just taken a trip to UCLA and my dad was with me. My mom was with me. And so we end up coming home and I go to school because I missed some school for this trip. And my dad wanted to email the coach that uh, he wanted to thank for, you know, their hospitality for the trip. And 
um, my dad couldn't get into his computer and we were really confused as to what happened. And he had the cancer diagnosis at the time and the chemo was going to start soon, but none of us really understood the severity of it. And so we ended up taking him to the hospital and he came up positive for multiple strokes and he couldn't get into his computer because he couldn't really read the numbers. And so starting from that moment, it was pretty much in the ICU that whole summer and he just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I would go to swim practice. I would go to the hospital sometimes. My mom and my little sister would always be at the hospital. And I just remember, because my dad didn't know that I was gay, or I came out as bi first, didn't know I was bi, or then eventually gay. And there were just a lot of car rides where I just sit in the car and just like blast music and just think like, is this a good time to come out now? And so I really, really struggled with not just my sexuality, but like deciding whether I wanted to force myself to come out of the closet earlier if my dad wanted to know or if I wanted my dad to have that kind of stress on his deathbed. It was it was a lot and it took a lot of unwrapping in my own like mental process to be able to be like, this is okay. Did you ultimately come out to him? I did not. Um, I came out as bi to my mom when he was in the hospital. By the time it was like a, are we sure this is pretty much a, yes, Erica's definitely bi kind of thing, or at the time I was bi. Um, my dad was pretty much incoherent, so it really wasn't, I mean, I guess I could have said it, but I would not have gotten a response that I would have liked, and it really wouldn't have been a conversation. It would have kind of just been like, me saying it, just kind of putting it out there. So I decided not to. Do you have any regrets about not doing, not, not, not sharing that part of you with him sooner? Um, in the beginning, I was really, really regretful. But now looking back, I think it was, it was ultimately good because I didn't know I was gay at the time. And I knew I liked girls, but I didn't know I only liked girls. And um, as, you know, I think back and reflect on the past, I was very much tomboyish growing up. I was the, I have a little sister and my little sister does the theater and the makeup and the singing, but I was the kid who would do the fantasy football league with him and I would, you know, ride the bike and I would do the nerdy, just all the dude stuff. So a part of me likes to think that he, he kind of knew, he kind of had a gut feeling, but I don't know. I think I think everything happens for a reason and I've grown accepting of, you know, my timing was perfect for me. I can't imagine going through simultaneously a a division 1 recruiting process uh coming out to yourself and your family and all the struggles that involved with that uh competition and 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 then watching your father slowly pass away how did you cope with all of that um it was really hard I shut down for a really long time I didn't this is gonna sound insane but uh we actually didn't tell any of my teammates that my dad had cancer my dad was really involved with like officiating and being at school meets and stuff like that and we just we started to tell people that you know he was busy and that he kind of stopped showing up so I was at a swim meet in Indianapolis and I was trying to qualify for the junior, junior world championships. 
And I qualified for my event, and my coach pulls me to the side and says, Erica, uh, your dad's really running out of time. We're going to have to send you home early. And so I tell all my teammates who had no idea any of this was happening, and I said, hey, guys, I want you guys to kick some butt, but I'm going to head on home. And um, it was tough. It was really tough. And uh, luckily I had – one teammate who I kept it very confidential and she was with me through thick and thin. Her name is Reese Lamp. But um, yeah, I think it was just holding on to whatever could get you through it. And I, I also found a lot of joy in gay YouTubers. Um, I don't know if you're very familiar with that, but I would, on days where I would just like not be swimming or not be doing things, I would just sit and watch other people and relationships and like unauthentically live their lives. And that helped me a lot too. Who were some of the people you watched? Um, Shannon and Cammie, they're broken up now, but Cammie Scott and then Shannon's channel is now this is living. Rose and Rosie, um, Stevie Baudet, uh, Allie Hills, Amy Ordman, pretty much every single lesbian YouTuber you could think of. <laughs> Why is it that you hid your, or you kept your, your, your father's condition from your teammates? Um, my dad wanted a lot of privacy through that time. And um, I guess it, he didn't want to let people know. And we kind of didn't want a lot of people, you know, intervening during that time because it was just a very intimate family moment. And Unfortunately, when a lot of people try to help you out, it sometimes ends up being overbearing. So as a family, we all chose to really keep it private. My coach knew, and then it was pretty much in my life, I think four or five people knew. So it was really, really limited. Did you, were you also keeping your sexual orientation from your teammates as well? Yes. So I came out as bi to two of my teammates. One of them was Reese Lamp, who knew about my dad. Reese knew everything at this time. So she knew that I identified as bi. But other than that, no one did. I really started to be vocal about my sexuality around a month after he died. And then um, my coach didn't find out that I was gay until around 10 months later after my dad died. So the sexuality thing definitely took a whole lot longer than my my whole dad thing why is that um i think a lot of it was that i needed to really sort out the stuff that happened with my dad before i could kind of delve into the sexuality so this is so odd to say now because i can't push it down anymore but at the time i was just like okay we're gonna put a pause on my figuring out this part of me right now, we're going to deal with this. And it wasn't until I started going to therapy where I would sit with my therapist. I, I came out to my therapist, my first session with him, and we would talk about how I would come out to other people. So once I started going to therapy, that's when it really started to unpack. How did you end up going to a therapist? Did someone suggest it to you or, or how did that work? 
Um, so I was swimming in swim practice and through while my dad was going through all his stuff, I was really good at staying on top of my training. I was kind of using it as an escape and I was really good at separating my emotional stuff that I was happening in my life and my physicality and the mental aspect of training. So I was really good at keeping it separate. But in around February, where my dad passed in July, so a f- almost six months later, um, I it started to affect my swimming. I couldn't do these long, boring sets anymore. Because it got to a point, if it was high intensity, I was okay. But the lower intensity ones, there was just a mental voice in my head that would just really, really get to me. And I started freaking out and my coach saw that. And I think my coach freaked out a little bit and he called the people at USA swimming and they put me, uh, they got me close ties with a really, really good psychologist. Did, did it ever cross your mind to quit swimming? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of, you know, even when I did struggle with the mental voice in my head, it was, swimming was my everything. It's always been my everything. It's something that I shared with my father. It's something that, you know, I build a lot of close relationships with my friends. It's, it's more than just a sport where I go to like get in shape or compete. It's just, I've built so many relationships around the sport that if I were to quit, I don't think I, there's just, I'm so deeply rooted in it that I there's I would never consider quitting. Well, everybody, um, hang tight. Uh, we just got to cut away for a couple quick commercials, and we'll be back with Erica Sullivan. Okay, we're back with Erica. When we talk to athletes, it's so often hear that that the sport means so much to them. The people in the sport mean so much to them, and and being able to at times use the sport as an escape means so much to them. It sounds like that's what swimming means to you. Very much so. I mean, even when I had, you know, I would do my therapy sessions would last around two to three hours and I would have to go straight to swim practice. And I was just so emotionally drained, but the good part is that you really don't need too much emotion to swim. (laughs) So it was just a good time to just turn that switch off and just really focus on, you know, my strokes and my, the finite details that you need to become a better athlete. You've been um, so open about your, your mental health and, and, and the struggles that you went through and, and, and the healing you've gone through for other young LGBTQ athletes who might be working through various mental health issues what are some of the things that you did that you can share that, that helped you? Obviously the, the, the therapy, but were there other things that you did that helped? Yeah. So my, uh, my psychologist was actually against this one, but it actually helped me a lot. I would keep a journal and I would just, even on the bad days, I would just write everything and anything down. And it's strange because now that I am, you know, feeling so much better about myself, I look back and I read those sometimes. And it's even even when I was going through it and I felt like I wasn't getting better, I'd go back and I'd read those journal diaries from that summer. 
And I would think like, okay, even though it may not seem like it right now, I actually am getting better in terms of big picture. I'm I'm moving the needle in the right direction. And I found, and my therapist was kind of against it because when I would have bad days, I would write all these bad things down and it kind of seemed like I was manifesting it a little bit. But for me, it was just, I used writing as just a chance to just let everything go. Why was your therapist against that? Um, It was just... I think for him, it was instead of trying to change my mindset into a positive, it was, it kind of came off as I was holding on to the negative emotions and the negative thoughts. And uh, I think he felt that I needed to let it go. But um, I, I think that honestly, having bad days, you, you do still need to feel them. Even when you have a bad day, you can't, you know, flip the switch and say, I'm fine. I'm okay. It's a great, today's going to be a great day. I mean, it helps for some, but for me personally, when I have bad days, it reminds me that, you know, we're all still human and we're all still flawed. And that honestly motivates me even more because I may have a bad day, but who knows the person who I'm standing right next to may be having one too. And I find that really empowering. So this is definitely a little odd way of thinking. And I think my therapist (laughs) didn't really understand that I thought that way. At first, after a while, he started to understand. But, um, yeah, it's just always the way I felt. I think that's really powerful. Not not feeling like you have to um, bury the bad moments and pretend they don't exist to actually say, no, these moments exist and, and that's okay because it's just part of being human like everybody else. Yeah, I find it. You know, I think some people think that that's what getting better is, having the ability to bury your emotions deep down and just still being like, I'm okay. And I agree that is strength to some extent, but I think it's stronger to be able to, you know, accept the bad days and be able to open up about it. And I think that's why I'm so comfortable talking about, you know, the worst days that I went through with my dad, because yeah, they were hard. Yeah, they were miserable, but I went, I made it through and now because of it I feel like I'm such a stronger human being today and I think you know people who are going through those struggles of their own whether it be mental health or you know losing a family or coming out or feeling unaccepted on your team like you are going to have bad days and everyone everyone does have them and you are not alone and you know you just got to make it through those 24 hours and Maybe if you're lucky, the next 24 are going to be slightly better and it keeps getting a little, little better. And then, you know, you look back six months later and you feel significantly stronger than you were those six months before. You mentioned being accepted by your teammates. Have have you faced any kind of rejection for who you are in the swimming world? Um, I, I was really lucky. Um, my club team, I was not the first person to come out on my club team. There were, in when I was a freshman, there was a kid who was already out, and um, he kind of paved the way for all of us, and um, his name is Isaiah Magzino. He's a writer now in New York, and he's living his best life, <laughs> but um, we were always kind of trademarked as, you know, quote-unquote, the gay team, <laughs> so I was really lucky in not facing any um, bad media or bad bad opinions once I did come out. It was all very accepting. I, you were the you were the gay team. How many of you were there? 
Um, over the last, oh gosh, in the last around eight years, there are three of us who are very, very vocal about being gay. And, um, I believe there are two more who are out, but not as vocal about it. You know, it's funny. You're, you're vocal about it. You, you're, 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 um, you're intentional about it. You, You share who you are on social media, but to be honest, and I think this is a sign of the times in part, I had not heard your name. And I, 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 I pride myself on knowing about most LGBTQ athletes at the elite and Olympic level. But uh, until our, our Ayrton uh, messaged me about you, I was like, how, have, how has Eric Sullivan escaped me? Did you ever have a moment where you were like, I'm making a big announcement, I'm gay? Or did you just, have you just been this way for the last four years and whoever knows knows um well i came i was pretty much vocal to everyone in my close personal life that i was gay by the time i was 17 and um everyone in the swim community through word of mouth kind of found out that i was gay and there is a national junior team director who is also gay on usa swimming he works at university of texas now his name is mitch dalton but we had a really long conversation and I told him, I said, Mitch, like, I, I want to help people. I want to do, you know, I want to work for the Trevor project. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I had just come out and Mitch coming out himself. He sat me on the phone and said, Erica, like, I love that you want that. And then, but he was like, um, he said something that really stood out to me and, you know, I really want to push it towards other people. He said, uh, enjoy your first year of coming out. He said, this is a year where you learn, you know, what kind of people you like, what kind of, you know, relationships you want to get into. If you want to have, like, what kind of queer friends do you want? It's a time to really, really get to know yourself. And he's like, when I first came out, I really enjoyed that first year, and I think you should too. So I took that myself. I took that really personally, and I said, okay, out of off of social media, I'm really going to enjoy my first year. And talk to, you know, girls face to face and experience these things that I didn't get to experience in my high school years. And it was around a year ago where I had this pretty big social media post. And um, that was it. After that, I just didn't really talk about, you know, I'm gay, I'm here. I just, if I dated a girl, I dated a girl. Um, if I saw a pretty girl on my Twitter, I'd retweet it. I didn't really vocalize it. I mean, if someone asked me, I would proudly say that I'm gay, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't really trying to shove it down everyone's throat. You've changed so much in just a few years. It seems odd to me that schools would try to get commitments from 16 year olds a couple of years before they'd ever step foot on campus. Do you, you're looking back and, and, and it may be right for you. And, and I understand that there was like, you know, the, the, um, the, the kind of the deal that USC laid out really worked perfectly for you. But do you think it's premature for 16 year olds to commit to, to college programs? Cause there's so often so much growing that goes on in those couple of years. Yeah, it is. I think it's really hard. Cause um, if you ask me, <laughs> At 16, where I thought I was going to be at, you know, now I'm turning 20, where I was going to be then, I would not have told you that this is the position that I'm in now is where I thought I'd be. 
honestly, like I would have never imagined. I'm very satisfied with the place I am right now. Hopefully I can go further, but I would have never imagined that I'd actually make it this far. And I think that goes for a lot of kids out there and not just in the pool, but you know, you learn about yourself, you, you get into, you have relationships with people, whether it be, you know, romantic relationships, parental relationships, friendships, and you grow from those and you experience things for the first time. And that, whether you want it to or not, it changes you as a person, sometimes for worse, sometimes for better. And I think, you know, sometimes kids will commit to a school because, you know, they have a really good veterinary program and they grow up a few years and they don't want to be a vet anymore. And I think so many kids are eager to grow up nowadays and I get it because I was the same, but I think it's just, it's so bad that colleges are pushing commitments for, you know, kids who just finished their sophomore year in high school going into their junior year. It just, it blows my mind. And I do think it's better to slow it down. Do you, you said you, you never imagined you'd be here four years ago do you think that being out and and just being totally yourself has been a part of that rapid rise to success? It's, it's helped so much. Like, I mean, swimming is already such a mentally strong sport, let alone open water. And when I was, when I was trying to figure out I was gay, I used to swim these like really long sets and think like, I'm gay. (laughs) I'm gay. What am I going to do? How am I going to tell people? Am I ever going to be happy? You know, when you're closeted, you think all these worst case scenarios and you think you're never going to be happy and you're never going to hit an end to all of this, you know, maze that's going on, your muffling that's going on in your head. And once I started to accept myself and I let it all go and I unapologetically said, this is who I am, this is me, so much of the clutter in my mind really cleared up and I felt so much better and so much happier and honestly more confident. I, I had a series of different topics we were going to hit on, you know, training for the Olympics and your love of film and growing up in Las Vegas. And uh, I've just been so fascinated by this part of your life and, and your just your personal journey over the last few years. Um, I really appreciate you being so open and honest about it. And, you know, conversations like this help other people just, you know, just to hear how you uh, handled things and also you know for to continue to let people know that they're not alone if they're they're lgbtq or they're in sports or they have mental health issues uh, that they're not alone and there are people like you who are wildly successful um training for the olympics with all of these things uh going on in and around you in your past so i really appreciate just being open and honest about it it, it helps thank you I just, you know, just living my life, enjoying, enjoying everything that comes my way. And, you know, just want to emphasize that it it gets better. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I was sitting in my car, listening to depressing music, thinking that this was going to be the rest of my life. And I promise you, you will look back on this time and you will feel so much more happier. I end each of our pod, the podcast episodes with the same two questions, and I'm going to change them up a little bit. Um, because you are a film buff, you want to get into film, um, but you don't like Lord of the Rings. Why not? I don't, and I think it's deep rooted from seventh grade when I had to read The Hobbit, and 
it just did not bode well with me with the whole, you know, Gollum storyline and smog. And it just, I like stories that are very much coming of age and really authentic to like human growth. And Lord of the Rings just did not do that for me. I don't know. <laughs> you're allowed. You're allowed. It's okay. Um, uh, the second question is uh, an Olympian who inspired you. An Olympian who inspired me. I would have to say uh, Haley Anderson. She's an alumni at USC. Um, she does open water, and I've been looked up. I've been looking up to her for years. And in the last few years, we developed a friendship. And she is one of the greatest people. She's so well spoken. She's so funny. And I got to see her make, you know, the 2020 Olympic game, 2021 Olympic Games last year. And she's one of the coolest human beings I've ever met. Her and Ashley Twitchell, who's now about to go to her first Olympics. Those two are amazing. Isn't it cool you get to meet these people that you idolize and you put on a pedestal and you can talk to them about training and competition? And it's kind of, it's kind of neat to be in that position, huh? I genuinely can't believe that they are my friends. I told them the night before they qualified for the uh, Olympic Games. I was just like, I can't believe you guys are my friends. You guys are so cool. And I was like, you guys just need to hear that. And for Ashley, we've had a long history where uh, just as I was about to come out, I accidentally came out to her year, like months before I came out to anyone else. And I asked her about it a few years later. She said she forgot, but in the moment, it definitely stood out to me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. And, and, and best of luck with everything. And, and we look forward to seeing you in Tokyo. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You can find Erica Sullivan on social media, both Instagram and Twitter. She's at Erica underscore Sully. That's Erica with a C. Also, special shout out to Artin Kasimitz. And Artin, please forgive me for massacring your name. Uh, but Artin is the one swimmer who we wrote about years ago, um, that represented the United States, uh, and uh, who, uh, who sent me the article, uh, there is a Swim Swam article about Erica last week that, uh, that led to this interview. Anyhow, I, I, I hope you're all well, and come back next week for another conversation with Five Rings to Rule Them All. Take care.